Yo, thank you for tuning in to the Winner's Paradigm Podcast. Today we got an amazing guest, Eddie Wilson. I seen him at Aspire Ontario. He was one of the speakers up there. And man, this dude was phenomenal. He sold over 76 businesses for over a billion dollars. And I really wanted to take the time today, ask him, hey man, how do we show up? How do we be more present in life? You know, what's it like on year end? How do we become grateful when we have that amount of money? And uh, you're going to love exactly what Eddie says. So stick around. This is an amazing episode. You're going to learn from a man that we all aspire to be. I've got my story. You got yours. I've dropped blood, sweat, and tears on the floor. Then looked the devil right in the eyes and told him I want more. When it's time to walk through hell's kitchen, I ain't afraid to lace my boots back up. Been there and back a couple times, but I made it through that stuff. I realized if you want to win, you got to recalibrate your mindset. Before there's no time left mm-hmm. The winner's paradigm mm-hmm. The winner's paradigm mm-hmm. The winner's paradigm Podcast mm-hmm. Come and get you some for tuning in. First thing I need you to do, leave a five-star rating and review. That's the only way we're going to keep this podcast up and going. Second thing, you're going to need to go to thewinnersparadigm.com, sign up for our newsletter. That's the only way you're going to know about Alpha Influence Media and The Winner's Paradigm. Then go to myfitlife.net, use the code TWP20. That's 20% off all products. And the last thing, go to Facebook or go to the show notes. We have our Facebook group, The Recalibrated Man. Podcasting is your passion. And that's where we help you start a top level podcast and break down all the essential elements with my nine step program to get you to be able to build a dominant podcast. Eddie, thank you so much for coming on the Winner's Paradigm Podcast, brother. It's an immense honor. And I seen you uh, last month on stage at Inspire Ontario. So it was awesome. Just seeing you in person, hearing your amazing story, and then being able to get you on my podcast, brother. So first and foremost, thank you for coming on and taking time out of your busy schedule, brother. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy you know, kind of these follow-up events to a lot of the things that we already do. A- absolutely, and, and that's, I would say that's my favorite thing about going to events is building the relationships, but I'd say the, the greatest part you know, is also talking to the speakers and saying, yeah. hey, you, know, you were uh, wonderful on stage. You have amazing background, and we'll start there. You, know, you come from uh, generations of business in dealing with all these things, and Andrew Cordell made some jokes you know, saying that you had it a little bit easier because you had that support. You, know, you had people that had business around you. But for you, brother, how was it initially when you got immersed into business? Um, you talked about having the degrees, but then said, hey, you know, uh, all the things that you learned in business didn't come from the, deg- the degrees. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, I am I'm third generation in uh, real estate investing. Grandfather's a real estate investor. Dad's a real estate investor. But my grandfather, even though he had means, my father chose to take nothing from him. And so as I actually grew up, as much as Andrew teases me, um, when I grew up, we didn't have a lot. As a matter of fact, we had very little. And it really was my dad's, my father's pursuits of his passions um, and chasing his dream in entrepreneurship that really removed the fear from, from me. Cause in my, in my mind, I think, well, what's the worst that can happen? I go back to my worst days, which was great family experiences. And even though we didn't have much, uh, my dad always showed up for me. He was always there, always loved me with an immense love and showed me just an amazing path of chasing your dreams. 
And I believe that every child deserves to have a parent that chases their dreams. That's the best gift I was ever given. It wasn't that I was given some monetary amount of money. And because my dad really didn't have a lot, you know, when I was growing up and he ultimately did, he, he did very, very well. He has many successful businesses today. What he did was he showed me a work ethic and a desire and a passion to go after what I believe in and what I what I'm dreaming about and uh, to go at, after with reckless abandon and not fearing loss. And um, and it's that uh, attitude I take every day. And to me, that's the greatest gift we can give our children. 100 percent. And I wanted to touch on the family aspect. And I love the way that you said that, brother, because uh, that's something that's important to me. My dad was a hustler growing up, you know, selling everything. Uh, one of the greatest salesmen I've ever met, just slick and could say sell anything, you know. But for me, it was realizing that I was completely different, you know, and I had to figure out my own way. And then number two was uh, we were playing it small, you know. So I just remember as a kid being like, bro, we have all the tools we have all the ability to do something great and always having this vision of a bigger life you know abundance and working there and even jumping in starting my own business uh it was awesome because it was taking the time to understand that hey you know sometimes it's gonna suck sometimes you're not gonna make any money before you get to those parts down the road but it was able to understand at the same time like hey you know all these things happen for a reason and that's the reason why you know you break that cycle you figure out hey how are we gonna put our family on the map that is completely different than what we did before. Cause for me, it was dealing with the same things, you know, dealing with the same problems. And it's like, Hey, you know, the, the past five years we've been doing the same thing. And for me, it's like, I seen, you know, 20 years, my parents do the same thing. And then, you know, go into the vices portion and realizing as a kid, following it as a young adult that, Hey, you know, all this stuff didn't resonate with me. Luckily I had the military to get me straight, you know, and got married. Uh, so I learned a lot more about myself, but I love that you mentioned that family aspect, brother. So we'll touch on that first. So what do you do for yourself? Because I know 128 businesses, over a billion dollars uh, selling them. What are you doing to get yourself geared in, locked in, so you're fully present for yourself, number one, and then there for the family and the businesses? Yeah, for sure. You, you come to a place in your life, and you mentioned it, you know, you look at your vices, you look at all those things that, you know, seem to matter maybe when you're young or when you don't have um, means, whether it's cars or houses or whatever it is. And one day you all of a sudden achieve that because you've hustled, you put the work and time in and you realize those cars, those houses, those jets, they don't they don't matter and they don't bring happiness. Um, for me, that was a long journey where I got uh, to a place in my mid 20s where I realized and started. I got to a place of, of depression where I just felt like, man, what's life even worth living? And I had more money than I knew what to do with. I had a very successful career. I was, you know, had lots of accolades, but um, but to me, it got to a place where I needed a shift and I shifted to a, a life of what I call a life of purpose. When you shift to a life of purpose and it's not about the dollars, it's about the time and the impact you're making in people. Um, when you can shift your life that way, if, if you manage your time, money will always follow. And if you're focusing on purpose, all those dreams and aspirations you've always had, they'll show up. And so for my children, the biggest thing for me is, is like when you start living a life of purpose and trying to impact others, you have to you have to get real with yourself and decide, am I impacting the ones closest to me? That circle of young men. I have three boys, those young men that uh, I, I've been given uh, as a steward of. And, and I have to look and you know, get honest with myself. Am I impacting them? Am I showing up for my wife? Because you, you can easily just say, well, I'm, I'm playing a, a full out for these orphans in India or these kids that need fed in Honduras or whatever, when we've got all these you know big opportunities in front of us. But if you're not showing up for the people at home, uh, you don't even have the right to show up for those people that are around the world. And so 
you know, for me, that's, that was a huge shift. It was going from monetary value to purpose value, shifting everything. And, you know, you heard my story on stage, the whole reason that Andrew and I built Collective Influence um, after I'd already sold 76 companies for over a billion was really to now give back, to, to take a big chunk of what we're creating now and just make impact around the world. But you can't, you know, you can't just go make impact for people around the world if you're not making impact for people at home. So a big part of what I do is I spend ritual time in the morning and in the evening thinking through purpose and tying everything I do to the impact in other people's lives. That's where real fulfillment comes in. When you get the chance to teach somebody and watch them grow, when you get the chance to mentor a young man and watch him make something of himself, when you get the chance to feed someone who can't feed themselves or provide a job for someone who didn't know that they were employable. You know, all those things, uh, that's where the power is. That's where the fulfillment is. And then in the end, if you can stay focused on that, everything else you want in life ultimately follows it. I love the way you say that, brother. And I've noticed that for myself as well. You know, the further you go away from doing what you're called to do, the further you go away from being that best version of yourself. And I'd say that, you know, for me, it was uh, realizing that just my old past and uh, instances where I wasn't the greatest wasn't because it was me. It was because I was in fight or flight and then realizing that, hey, you know, this doesn't serve us. Uh, right. But it was awesome hearing you on stage, especially, you know, when you're talking about doing all the mission work and um, going and helping other countries. And I'm like, man, that's my vision, you know, eventually is to do those things. Yeah. So it was awesome hearing that because I come from a place where it's like you're never going to be good enough to do that. You know, so then the limiting beliefs come up and now it's, you know, being so cognizant of everything that we're thinking, everything that we're saying, uh, who we're talking to that I'm like, hey, you know, I know where this originates from and this doesn't serve me. So I'm no longer going to keep that. So I love that you mentioned that, brother, because I feel like that's huge, you know, especially when you were talking about making that shift and becoming fully immersed into your passions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I always say that, you know, and I've, I've read my whole life that there's really two great emotions in every human. There's fear and there's love. You're either running from something or you're running to something. And that flight, fight or flight mode that does kick in when fear's right there, you got you to gotta pause long enough to realize, like, I'm either passionately pursuing what I want and what I'm after, that's love, or I'm running from something, that's fear. And we can't let our lives be run by fear. We'll never accomplish the dreams and the goals and the visions that we have. Amen, brother. And I love that. You know, that's something uh, I've listened to. And then I heard a quote the other day and it was, imagine living the life where you no longer live in fear, where when that thing happens, you just jump into it and you're like, hey, if it burns, it burns. Right. And I was like, man, you know, that that is true is a lot of times we stop ourselves before it even goes. And I know for me, you know, I had uh, business partnerships that fell out and I'm over here thinking like, maybe I'm the bad one. Maybe I'm the one who sucks. Maybe it's whatever, you know, and the funny part was, is I just started looking at my nutrition. I started looking at me uh, working out. I got a fitness coach and yeah. it was doing the things that I didn't traditionally want to do because I was like, I have all the knowledge. I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. Right. And then, you know, being in that community and realizing that, hey, it's not about you. It's about how you're going to show up for yourself, but help other, um, you know, rubbing off on other people. So for me, right. it was, you know, seeing that, having the conversations, having the podcast and people are like, man, you know, it really sounds like you put work in, you were able to flip the narrative and change these different things. And I was like, you know what? It started with me doing the things that were uncomfortable. So for you, brother, how important is it for you to continually do that? Because you talked about having the life and going through these things. So I know you definitely have time where yeah. you're, you're showing that gratitude and you're understanding that, hey, you're deserving of this moment. You've worked for it. And this is why you're so grateful for it. Yeah. I've always heard that uh, if you put your body under subjection, you'll get it to perform more than you want it to perform. Yeah, I've always heard if you put your mind under subjection, sometimes that's pain, that it'll it'll perform more than it's going to perform. 
for me, what you're talking about is still my daily routine. You know, like I, I still get in the gym five, six days a week uh, in the mornings. I still spend time on my knees with gratitude, right? I still spend uh, time uh, exercising and pursuing my faith, you know, like, and all of those things are disciplines because if I, if I can stay disciplined, I keep that my mind, my body under subjection. It's like, I'll get out of it more than I ever expected. And, um, and, and for me, it's, it's about showing up, you know, it's in, in the end, it's like, yes, I could probably coast. I could, you know, I, I've made enough money that I could take care of my kids and grandkids and stuff like that. Um, but in the end, it's like, I want to live a full life. I want to know what at the end of my life, I just, my grandfather just passed away. He was 91 years old. I just went to Ohio to speak at his funeral this past week. And, uh, and I, I want that life, you know, that life, there is hundreds and thousands of people that showed up to pay their respects to a man who made a difference in their life. And I watched that through my grandfather and I sat there that day and I thought I've had so many great opportunities in my life. Like, that's how I want to show up. I want to be I want to be 91, I want to be 95, I want to be 100 years old and still showing up every day uh, for those people that need it, that need an impact made in their life. And um, and so, you know, for me, it starts it starts with staying uncomfortable. You know, the moment that you feel like you've arrived and you begin to feel the comfort of arrival, it's like you begin to degrade, right? Your mind degrades, your body degrades. And so I put myself into a position where I I, I, I don't want to feel like I've ever arrived. You know, I want to I want to be I want to be in shape. I want to be ready. I want to be sharp. I want to be moving. I want to be pushing. And I want that to be till the day I die, you know, because people around the world deserve impact uh, and they need they need someone to live that life for them. There are many people that won't be able to live it for themselves. And uh, and maybe one guy pushing that hard will inspire one other guy to push that hard and make another greater impact. I love that you said that. And uh, I'm sorry for your loss about your grandfather. I went through similar. Uh, I got out the Marine Corps 2020. Uh, I think two months after my grandfather passed away in that last year of life was incredible because I always searched for that dad to be the right father figure. Uh, basically, my dad, I was like the little brother. So from a little kid, you know, I was that little brother and took me under his wing. And it really was like not father and son, you know, it was big brother, little brother and yeah. always was that way. So my grandfather was the one who I looked up to, I admired and he's gone. And I'm like, man, you know, uh, everything's falling in my life. And I've always searched for that. Like I realized my problem wasn't other people. It was me always going to another man being like, I need to be this guy. I need to be jacked like him. I need to do all these different things. So it was becoming the man I need to, to love number one, but two that I envision that I admire. And it was doing those same things. So I love that you said that brother. Cause that was something that brought me to my knees where I was just like, my way is not working and I have to figure out a different way because I'm showing up and people are understanding that I'm there, but I'm not fully what I want to be. So I love that, that you mentioned that portion, brother, because that hit me hard was, you know, when I was going through it and I'm like, man, you know, it just feels like sometimes that we got to do all this work just to show up. Yeah. And then, you know, people don't realize that they think that you just put on this game face and we're happy and, you know, you look good, you feel good, you walk in the room and everybody feeds right. this energy, but you're like, Hey man, you don't know how much work goes into this energy or why I have to get up at three in the morning so I yeah. can be able to have this energy and stay consistent. So I would say the next thing for you, brother, would you say it gets easier as consistent you are for even when you are, you know, traveling around and you're still making sure that you're eating right, you're still, you know, living in that character and you're still showing up and fully present at every second. Yeah. So it's, it's vitally important, you know, that energy you talked about, that energy you have to create. And, uh, and you can't let people steal it from you and you can't let the situations in life steal it from you because that energy, that life force, that, that, you know, drive 
uh, is vital to not only yourself, but it's, it's vital to my employees. It's vital to the people that we serve. It's vital to my customers. Um, and so I do, I eat right. I work out, I spend time, you know, praying and meditating. I spend time, you know, I spend downtime. I try to get some good sleep, you know, which is hard when you're running as many businesses as I do. Um, and you know, traveling like crazy, but in the end, it's like, I, I try to maintain that energy and show up every day, uh, in a way that most people can't, or maybe won't. And, uh, and you know, I think that I, I get asked all the time, like this about the secret to how I run all the companies or the secret to just, you know, the success I've had. And I think what you just were talking about is the secret. It's, it's, it's the discipline to eat right, work out, spend some time, put, put, put good things in my mind. I, I have what I call the trash in trash out rule. I don't, I don't watch stuff that I feel like if I let it come in, something bad is going to come out. You know, like I, I, I protect my eye gate. I make sure that I, I'm only putting stuff in my ears and in my eyes that, you know, that, that are going to produce something good. And, uh, and it's all that that produces the right energy that then creates that impact that we want to have. I love that, brother. And uh, that was something you said on stage or you were talking similar when you're talking about your book and uh, you were talking about George Washington, for instance, and how he switched sides and just the story behind that. And I was like, man, you know what? I love that about you because that's something is you have to research these things, but two, realize that in history, you know, these things are all repeating. So everything that we go through and I love it because especially when you went into the business. So We'll, we'll jump into that section next because uh, you mentioned it. You know, you have to show up in all these ways because you have as as many businesses as you do. You have to have your operations down tight. And that's exactly what you do when you have your structure. So right. how important is it? Um, and you mentioned it there when you're speaking on stage that when you're working with your, these companies and you're letting them know, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is where you're currently at. These are the steps we're going to be able to get you. How important is it for them to actually follow that guide and then to be able to take that feedback and understand that, hey, we can be able to elevate and continually get it so where you remove yourself out of the, the operations there? Right. Yeah, it's it's vital. Um, I'm a student of history. I, you mentioned the book I wrote. I think I've written two or three now. And um, the book that you're referencing is called The Titan Doctrine. And there's it's the seven principles that I've seen in leadership past that I try to implement in my own life. One of the leaders in there I talk about is Napoleon Bonaparte, you know, he's leader of France. And and uh, and we have what's called the Napoleonic Code. It was a it was a systems of processes that he wrote that if you go from that point until now, you'll find threads of that in nearly every operational structure manual. It's in our Constitution. It's I mean, it is just woven through everything you've seen, everything from uh, our business processes like Six Sigma Sigma or the Rockefeller Habits. All of them have the Napoleonic code tied into it. And um, for me, systems and processes are everything. Because when you go through the phases of business growth, I always say there are five phases, right? There's startup and perseverance. That's the pre-profit phase. Then you got viability. That's when you're making profit. It's a sustainable business. Then you go to scale. You can pour some gas on that fire and see how big you can get it. Take it to succession where, you know, where I do, where I ultimately sell businesses or you're passing it on to heirs or whatever it is. But when you go from perseverance, which is where 70% of small businesses are today, where they teeter on profitability, they teeter on you know, success. Am I really viable? They can't really walk out of the business. They're so desperately needed in it. If they left, the business would fail. Is that there's really two things that get me to true viability, which is where I actually can hire somebody 
and I can, you know, let them run it. And that's how I can run 86 to 100 companies all simultaneously is because I'm not doing it. I'm empowering men and women uh, that lead my companies to do it. But the two things you have to do is, number one, you have to optimize your talent. You know, good business always comes from good people. And if you're not optimizing your talent, then and you're not being a good steward of the talent you've been given, then you're never going to get that business where it truly is viable and potential for scale. You're certainly not going to scale it if you don't have good people. But the second thing is, is what I call operational um, optimization. So you're optimizing your operations, which is through understanding the processes that it takes to build a business and replicating it over and over and over again. Um, I own a coffee brand, right? I own uh, coffee shops. And if we don't serve that customer consistently and at a higher level than the shop down the street, right, we're going to lose business every single day. But we take business off of Starbucks and Human Bean and every other shop that's around us as a small little coffee shop, the first one, because we do business right. We optimize our talent. We optimize our operations. Now, second store, we've got beautiful new store just north of Atlanta uh, and building another one. And it's like, but the reason that we are succeeding in a very red ocean market in a coffee business is uh, with roasting and the retail shop and all of that is because we've optimized our talent and we've optimized our process. Any business that's in, in currently in perseverance to get to true viability, they got to maximize and optimize their talent. They have to optimize their operations. Then you can move into a place where I do, where you can help them from a visionary standpoint to scale it and you can go do multiple businesses all simultaneously. I love the way that you say that. And that's something I'm learning for myself, you know, as the visionary where you have these visions, you have everything that you think of. And it's kind of like your relationship with Andrew, you know, is both of you guys, uh, you, you, he has the visions and then you carry it out and you're like, Hey man, this is how we can do it. And like you guys said, you know, you're behind stage on the phone with a rod and, and pitching and they're pitching you, you know, and telling you about the stadium tour and the next thing you're doing. So how important is it when you have that visionary, you have that integrator who are both on the same page like you guys are, and you guys are able to say, hey, you know, this is real. We can make these things yeah. happen. We just got to move these pieces around. Yeah, we always say that Andrew's the dreamer and I'm the dream maker. Um, and there's a little bit of a misnomer there. A lot of people think that there's you've got to either be a visionary or you've got to be an integrator. And really, I think that sometimes that's not completely accurate, right? Like, there are people like I'm actually extreme visionary, but I go all the way down to the details. Andrew is an even higher level of visionary, but doesn't want to deal with the details. And so, you know, then there are people on my staff that downstream, all, they only deal with details. And I actually have to translate Andrew's language to them or else it never happens. But if you actually put me in a true operational role where the whole business was, you know, on me, could I do it? Yes. Would I be happy? Absolutely not. And so... There's not just these really clear lines. You know, in my opinion, I, I, I really subscribe to um, a test called the predictive index. And it's a way that it, I think it scores you in 16 or 18 different categories. And really, it's about fitting puzzle pieces together. And, um, and so it is very, very important to, number one, have vision and then to be able to translate that vision down into actions. Um, that's where people miss the boat, right? Lots of visionaries don't know how to translate the, the actions. A lot of people that are down in the weeds operationally don't understand how to go gain vision. So, you know, for me, I've played my whole life almost in a middle role where sometimes I can actually go be the visionary. And like, for instance, the coffee company um, I started, I created, I brought the guy, I brought the roaster in, uh, worked on the brand, launched it. And I can do that. 
the way I, I do it though, is never going to grow as fast as Andrew grows. You know, like we've got a business now that's growing. I mean, just massively. Well, Spire, the Spire tour was Andrew's idea. I helped carry it out and, you know, we're, we're just, we're going to, we'll probably hit 30,000 people in us in, in arenas uh, this year, next year, we, we just left a planning meeting. We'll probably hit 65 to 70,000 in arenas next year. And so, um, that's all Andrew's crazy vision, but somebody has got to make that vision come true. And, uh, and you do that through operations, right? Like you make sure that you connect vision to true operations. And usually that is separate, separate people. Very few people can play that role fluidly the entire way through. Oh, I love that way that you mentioned it. And thank you for the clarification, you know, talking about the visionary and integrator, because you're 100% right. You know, we both can do those things. And for me, it was realizing uh, I'm more of like the high end visionary because I went to school, got a business management degree, realized that it taught me how to be the supervisor, you know, can do the operations. And that was what I did in the Marine Corps was uh, built a, a unit from the ground up. I did the operations department. So we flew MV-22 Ospreys and I was the one in charge of making sure all the flight data building all the SOPs so they can fly and then running the training side. Uh, so it was awesome doing all those things because it was teaching me how to run my own business and start all these things. So when I started my own business, it was funny because uh, I was thinking, I'm like, man, I've done this before. Like I've pitched in front of people and had to go on the fly or just had to listen in a conversation and realize, you know, what it takes or break things down to the minimum basis thing and say, hey, you know, what do we have to do from a sustainability standpoint of how this can happen? And I'd say for me, you know, I started building my podcast production company and uh, it was awesome because it was each little piece kept taking its time. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was like, man, I have this great system now to where I can literally help my clients out in 20 minutes and I don't have to rely on my VA. I don't have to rely on anybody else besides myself. And now I can be able to have, you know, a course and teach somebody in 20 minutes how to put out a podcast because I was able to master that by failing initially and, and you know, figuring out somebody to help me carry out that mission. So Absolutely appreciate you, brother. You've been an amazing guest today. I like to wrap the, the interview up with the one question I ask everybody. And what would you say to the previous version of yourself who was looking to recalibrate our mindset? We don't know where we're uh, at now. We just want to align ourselves to our definition of success. Yeah, I would redefine success. I mean, I think that um, in every phase of my life, success was redefined. And what I would do is I'd probably give my earlier version of myself my current definition of success. And who knows, maybe my definition of success changes in another 10 years. Um, but my definition of success is about having freedom, having control um, to do what you were created to do. You know, like there are things that I believe that I was uniquely gifted to do. And instead of trying to fill the mold and be, you know, be inside of that mold that I looked around, I mean, in college, I looked around and I said, I don't really fit in here, like, but I'll try to be that guy, you know? And then in business, my first years in corporate, it was like, I don't really fit here, but I'll try to be that guy, you know? And it was like, and I was always like looking at people like mentors or people ahead of me and I just said, let me just fit into that mold. And in the end, I'd get there and I didn't look anything like them. You know, I didn't act like them. I didn't think like them. I didn't look like them. And what I realized is my success is not everyone else's success. My success is the ability to control my world and make impact for other people. Um, and in that, you know, Andrew and I always talk about we, we really have two big focuses in life. We want to create great experiences. And that doesn't mean, matter if it's an orphanage in Africa or if it's somebody that comes to an Aspire. Right. And we want to inspire people to aspire for more. We want them to know that there's something bigger. And those are our what we call our guardrails. 
And so for me, I want to live in those same guardrails. That, that, that's my definition of success. I would redefine it for myself so that I lived inside of that alignment for a longer period of time. Because once I got there and I started living inside of that, everything changed for me. And it wasn't like it changed monetarily. I'd already had money. What changed was the fulfillment that I felt with the success that I had ha I'd already had. Uh, amazing tip, brother. And I love the way that you said that because that was me in college where I'm like sitting there and I'm like, man, you know, this doesn't resonate with me. Luckily, I was able to go online because yeah. I just realized like talking to people was annoying was I was like, hey, bro, we're not the same. Like I wake up at 3, 4 a.m. I go to the gym. I yeah. work a nine to five. At that time, I was working 18 hour days selling home improvement in homes yeah. and then going to college at nighttime. And I was married. So I'm like trying to start a family. Uh, we had two miscarriages at that time. So it was going through all these things and realizing that like, hey, you know, I'm here for a reason. Yes, you know, I'm fully here. Luckily, uh, I thought I had my calling and I was helping vets out, you know, thinking I'm helping my people. And then my company hits me with uh, my nanny moved to Minnesota. So I'm holding the daughter, making sales calls. And they tell me, hey, man, is your heart still here? Is this really what you want to be doing? So I, it was a Wednesday, waited till Friday. I quit my job and I was like, you know what? I'm done. Like, I'm no longer going to work for somebody who doesn't see my value. But two, it was realizing that, hey, I'm okay with that because there's something bigger that's going to be in the equation for me than, you know, being here where I'm like, man, this isn't really me. You know, I'm capped out on how much money I can make. I know that, at, you know, 80,000, 60,000 isn't something that it's just me. It doesn't make right. any sense to just tell myself that, hey, this is what you are. So for right. me, jumping into it, you know, failing and realizing that the business in becoming the best version of myself was going to lead me to where I want to be was amazing. So I appreciate you, brother. You've been an amazing guest today. Would love to have you on in the future again. Where could people find you if they want to keep up with you, brother, and hear more of you? Yeah, easiest way to find me is on social, and I still handle a lot of my own social. Uh, you can reach out at Eddie Wilson Official on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, whatever. I'm there, and uh, got a team that produces content, but I I try to manage all of my DMs and uh, all the communication. So I'd love to hear from people. Absolutely, brother. Well, thank you again. It was an absolute honor. Uh, it was amazing. And I know people definitely are going to love this episode. Awesome. Thank you. That is my man, Eddie Wilson. I seen him on stage and I was like, man, I got to get him on the podcast. And I reached out to him through Instagram and I was able to book him on the podcast. And it was awesome because when you get to talk to people that you look up to, that you hear, uh, it just allows you to see that there's more to life. And for me, it was realizing that we have all the power. You know, you can use your leverage. You can use the networking opportunities, but you still have to show up and you still have to put in work. And that's what awesome, you know, is being able to talk to people we traditionally wouldn't. So if you're thinking about starting that podcast, just fucking do it. I've got my story, you got yours. I've dropped blood, sweat, and tears on the floor. Then looked the devil right in the eyes and told him I want more. When it's time to walk through hell's kitchen, I ain't afraid to lace my boots back up. Been there and back a couple times, but I made it through that stuff. I realized if you wanna win, you gotta recalibrate your mindset. Before there's no time left.